Hello, everyone. Welcome again to Alpine Church. My name is Scott Krebs. I'm a teaching pastor here at Alpine, and I'm so glad to be with you here today. If you're a guest with us, this is your first time at Alpine Church. We want to wish you a special welcome. We're so glad that you've chosen today to be here at Alpine. We're all about helping people pursue God, so wherever you are in that journey, we want to help you take the next step. Today, we are in the midst of a series on the Ten Commandments. And if you've been here, then you know that we have been looking deeply into the Ten Commandments and that the Ten Commandments are not, this is really important, they are not a set of rules for you to follow, just like a checklist to get your way into heaven or something like that. Instead, the Ten Commandments are the key to the kind of life that God wants you to have. You know, what we've said is that the law of God, the Ten Commandments represent the law of God, flow out of the heart of God. And before God ever gave us the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, he said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of slavery in Egypt. And so what he's saying is, I'm the God who saves, I'm the God who rescues, I'm the God who loves, who redeems. And now he's saying, here's the kind of life that you can live. Uh, uh, Here's how to have a a better, a greater life. And so I've I've really appreciated studying the Ten Commandments. I hope you have too. And today we're going to look at the Third Commandment. The Third Commandment is all about names. Have you ever asked your parents why they named you what they named you? You know, have you ever said, Mom, Dad, why, like, how did, you, how did you pick my name? You know, what's the story behind that? A Twitter user asked people, hey, you know, share the story of why your parents picked your name. And here's what a few people said. This guy named Mason said, my name is Mason because I was born in May and I'm a son. <laughs> I like Mason's parents a lot. They're no nonsense, right? We will always know when you were born and what your gender is, all right? Mason. Somebody else said, my name is Alexis because the conversation of my name was brought up in the car and Alexis was in front of them and my dad just changed the spelling. Alexis. Good thing it wasn't a BMW, right? Otherwise. (laughs) One other person said, I don't have this on the slide, but one other person said, my name is Jane because the night before I was born, my parents went to a restaurant and they couldn't decide between Jane or Anna, so they had the whole restaurant vote on the name. Strangers decided my fate. You know, if you have kids, it's really stressful to name your kids. I have four kids. It's, it's really stressful to come up with names for your kids because, you know, they're going to carry them throughout their lives. And so if you have kids, you know, how did you go about naming your children? Did you choose popular names? Maybe you named your daughter Katniss, you know, because that was, that was hot. It's coming back, don't worry. So that's good. That's still good. Maybe you went, we're at church, maybe you went with biblical names. My kids all have biblical names. My three boys have male Hebrew names. My daughter's name is Trinity because it means God is three in one like we just sang about. That's what brings a lot of meaning for for us, especially for my wife. I like Trinity because I like the Matrix, you know? So that's that's also coming back because everything comes back now. Names mean things, right? I know, the na- I know the meaning of all my children's names, mainly because they're biblical names, but like my son, my oldest, Micah, his name means who is like the Lord? It's a rhetorical question. No one is like God. No one is, equals him. No one matches him. My son Judah, his name means now I will praise the Lord. I'll praise the Lord. My son Daniel, his name means God is my judge. I love that so much. Because whenever he messes up, I say, hey, man, God's your judge, all right? Don't, you don't got to convince me. You got to convince him. God's your judge, Daniel. 
So maybe you know the meaning of your name, maybe you don't, but names are important. Names matter to us. We don't like it when people mispronounce our names. I'll always remember years ago I was at a wedding, and throughout the wedding ceremony, the pastor mispronounced the bride's name. It's worse than that sounds, really. It was like horrifying. So whenever I officiate a wedding, I have nightmares the night before, and I'm like, what is their name? What is their name? So uh, yeah, we don't like that, right? Nobody wants that. It's it's like what people say, the, the favorite word of any person is their own name, is the sound of their own name, right? And so our names matter. Our names have meaning. When we think about our loved ones, even if we don't know what their name means, just the sound of their name like, brings up all those feelings, all those emotions. We love them. So names matter. Names carry power. And the same is true with God. God's name matters. God's name has power. God's name reveals who he is and reveals his character. And so today we're talking about don't take God's name in vain, the third commandment. What I want to do is I want to look at the commandment with you in just a moment, in Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. I want to explain to you what it meant for the people who heard it, the Israelites there at Mount Sinai. And then I want to talk about what it means for you and I today. So remember, Israel at this point, they have just come out of slavery. They've just left Egypt they are in the wilderness. They're not at Mount Sinai. God, Sinai. God has given Moses the law. There are 10 commandments here. There's many more laws, but there's 10 central commandments that kind of summarize the entire law. The first four have to do with our relationship with God. So you can think of the first four commandments and the 10 commandments having to do with our, our vertical relationship with God. The other six have to do with our horizontal relationships. So we're still in that vertical relationship with God. And in the midst of these commandments, we encounter number three, and here's what it says. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. So what did this mean to the people who first heard it? The people in ancient Near East, they had a, an interesting relationship to the names of their gods. Now, you might remember, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, that every nation had their own gods. So the Moabites had their own gods, and the Philistines had their own gods, and the Edomites had their own gods. And the God of Israel is different because in the first commandment, we see that the God of Israel says, I am the only God. I am the true God. I am the one creator God of the universe. I'm the God of every, everything and everyone. All other gods are phonies compared to me. And so what would happen, though, in the ancient Near East is everyone had their own gods, and people, when they went to make agreements, when they went to make contracts, you know, they couldn't, they couldn't write out contracts in the ancient world. They didn't have paper, they didn't have pens, they didn't have, like, DocuSign or whatever, you know, when you buy a house and your realtor has you click on and, and sign your name online. They didn't have that, right? So one of the ways that you would agree to the terms of a contract is that you would swear by your God, you know? I, I swear that I will... I will Go th I will follow through on this land deal in the name of my God. And people would swear to their gods. But here's the thing. People in the ancient world realized pretty quickly they could swear by the name of their God, they could break the contract, and their gods wouldn't get them. The whole point was of swearing by your God was that your God would come and zap you with lightning or something, and he'd, he'd, he'd squash you if, you if you broke the deal. But the gods were just little wooden statues or little stone statues. And so, yeah, you break a contract, your God doesn't really notice. The God of the Bible comes along and says, wait a second, I'm the real God. Don't use my name to make an oath that you don't plan on keeping. Don't swear falsely using my name. Don't make a contract with my name. 
because my name is greater than all the other gods. Another interesting point in the Old Testament is that you would, when you named something in the Old Testament, it meant that you had some control over it, some measure of control over it. So if you look in Genesis chapter 1, God creates the universe, he creates the heavens and the earth, and what does he do? He, he says, he calls the great expanse, he names it, he calls it sky, and the dry land, he calls it earth. And what God is doing is he is naming these things to show that he has mastery and power over them. And so God says, hey, don't use my name in vain. Don't use my way in such a way that it makes it look like you have mastery over me because you don't. You, you can't just call me anything you want. You can't just describe me any way you want. You can't just use my name flippantly. God says, I name myself. You know, I have control over my own name. And so for the Israelites, not to use the name of God in vain was a powerful commandment. To, to use God's name in vain meant to use it in a way that's empty, idle, insincere, frivolous. And so the third commandment was a prohibition against using God's name in a frivolous or inappropriate way. That's what it meant for them, but what does it mean for us today? That's what I want to spend the rest of our time talking about. What does the third commandment mean for us today? It means two things. The first is this, God takes his name seriously and so should we. God takes his name seriously. When you first read the third commandment, it seems really easy, doesn't it? I mean, just honestly, like, it, it sounds like what God's saying is, hey, you know, watch the OMGs and uh, watch your language, and that's it. You fulfill the third commandment. But it's more than that. Because the Bible says that the name of God is tied to the character of God and the glory of God. For example, God's glory and His name go hand in hand with each other. So in Exodus chapter 33, Moses says, God, I want to see you face to face. In other words, you know, God's spirit, he doesn't have a body. So what Moses is saying is, God, I want to see all of your glory. And God says, Moses, I can't show you all my glory. You're sinful, you're a human, you die, you, you get like zapped and you go away. So you can't see all my glory, but God says, I'll make my glory go past you. And as my glory goes past you, you can kind of get a glimpse of it. And so God does that. And as his glory goes past God reveals his personal name to Moses, Yahweh, I am, the great I am. And there we see that the glory of God and the name of God are tied together. They're one and the same. In fact, in Psalms, it says it this way. Psalm 8.1 says, how majestic is your name in all the earth. God, may your name be glorified throughout all the earth, that when your people speak your name, when they sing your name, may it be glorified. It is majestic. It is lifted up. Psalm 29.2, ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. The name of God is to be glorified, is to be lifted up, certainly not to be used in vain. God's name is connected with His holiness. Psalm 111.9 says this, it says, what a holy, awe-inspiring name He has. God's name brings out awe. It inspires us. It is holy. This is why we sing about his name, why we glorify his name. You might remember Jesus in the Lord's Prayer. I grew up in church saying the Lord's Prayer every Sunday. In the Lord's Prayer, in Matthew 6, Jesus starts off the Lord's Prayer. What does he say? Many of you know it. Hallowed be your name. God, may your name be glorified. May it be hallowed. May it be set apart. It's holy. It's separate. The name of God is holy. So when you use the name of God in an unworthy way, you're violating God's glory, you're violating God's holiness, and God expects us to have reverence for His name, so much so that the law of God, the Old Testament law, was clear. What happens when you violate the name of God? 
Leviticus 24.16 says this, Anyone who blasphemes the name of the Lord must be stoned to death by the whole community of Israel. Any native-born Israelite or foreigner among you who blasphemes the name of the Lord must be put to death. Now, that was God's, God's law for Israel in the Old Testament. We don't live under God's law, God's Old Testament law. So God isn't desiring that if someone uses God's name in vain, we'd put him to death or stone him. But here's what this should say to you and me is, wow, God takes his name really seriously. When God talks about having reverence for his name, when he talks about worshiping his name, it's serious business because in the Old Testament, if you blaspheme the name of God, you could be killed for it. This should be a wake-up call that we take God's name and we take God for granted. You know, we, we, we don't give God the seriousness that he deserves. We don't give God the, um, the glory that he deserves. Now, we have a too casual view of God. You, you see this all the time in life, right? We're just too casual with God. I like to play golf. I'll go play golf. I'll go play golf with the pastors. And uh, the pastors, they have really good language when they golf, just so you know. <laughs> this is not an area where your pastors struggle. They may, not all, they may cheat sometimes when they play golf, but that's it's a future sermon, all right? This is... Language is very clean, but I play with other people, and their language isn't so clean, and they'll say all kinds of things, and then they'll use the Lord's name in vain. No big deal. Just throw it out there. This week, I was watching a TV show that was otherwise clean, and then there's just this one scene where people are just using God's name in vain, like back and forth, just this whole little section, and I, I, this, I knew I was going to preach this message today, and it was just like, man, this is really bothersome, and it just was like, it was just like, hurtful to hear God's name just used this way over and over again. But it's so casual. You see it on TV all the time. see it at work all the time. You're drawn into it all the time. We have too irreverent a view of God in his name. Really what this commandment is saying and what Jesus is saying is that this is a heart problem. The problem isn't just that you use God's name in an unworthy manner, but it reveals something in your heart that you don't reverence God in your heart like you should, that you don't worship God like you should, you don't appreciate God's holiness and glory like you should. Now, this doesn't mean that we should be afraid to use God's name. That's not what God wants. God wants you to use his name. He wants you to use his name to worship him, to glorify him. It's not like Harry Potter. He's not, you know, he who should not be named. That's not what's going on here. We should lift up and glorify and worship the name of God and give reverence to the name of God and praise the name of God. That's why we sing songs to God. And when we say the name God and we say Jesus should bring joy to our hearts and we should tell people about how great God is and how glorious God is and not use his name in a, in a vain way. That's the first point. The second point for us today is that honoring God's name is more than a language. It's how we live our life. It's more than a language. It's how God wants us to live our lives. I'll always remember when my oldest was in first grade. He came home one day, and he told my wife, he said, Mom, I know all the swear words now. <laughs> and so Melanie was like thinking like, yeah, okay, you know, what does he really know? And, and so she's like, okay, well, tell me what they are. And he pretty much knew all the swear words, yeah. <laughs> so we've always homeschooled from ever since that day, you know. Not really, but 
But sometimes with the third commandment, you know, we can think it's only about the words we say, and God doesn't want us to have a potty mouth. And you, okay, that may be true, but that's not the whole point of the third commandment. It goes deeper than that. It's not just about not saying God's name in vain. It affects us in a lot of other ways. Here are the other ways that you can break the third commandment. The other ways you can take God's name in vain. You can make false promises. You can make false promises that evoke the name of God. You know, we say things like, I swear to God I didn't do that. But we did it, right? As God is my witness, I didn't do it, but you did. Or I swear on the Holy Bible, and then we tell a lie. I remember when I was a kid, my friends and I at church locked the bathroom stalls and snuck out and thought that was hilarious. It was, we didn't have phones, all right? So this was, it was a dark time, you know? And uh, we locked the bathroom, st- I'm not, I don't want to give anyone any ideas, by the way, let me just say, but we locked the bathroom stalls, the pastor said, did you guys do that? And we said, I swear on a stack of Bibles that we didn't do it. That's a lie, that's, that's, that's not fun, it's doing this, really, is what it is. It, and, and the Bible says, look at what Leviticus 19.12 says, do not bring shame on the name of God. Do not bring shame on the name of your God by using it to swear falsely, I am the Lord. In other words, God says, do not bring shame on the name, the, the name that should be glorified, the name that should be lifted up, the name that should be worshipped. Instead, when you swear falsely and you bring God into it, you bring shame on the name of God. You rob God's name of the glory that it deserves. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 5.37, Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. What did Jesus mean by that? Well, in Jesus' day, people would swear, but they were too smart to say, I swear to God, and then, then lie. They knew that'd be a problem. They knew they'd be breaking the third commandment. So in Jesus' day, religious people would say, well, I, I need to swear to this, but um, I, I want a little wiggle room so I can break the contract. So they would say, I don't swear to God, but I swear by God's temple. I swear by God's temple, which I can break if I really need to, this vow. Or, I don't swear by God's temple, I swear by the gold on the top of the temple. Literally, this is the kind of stuff that was going on. And Jesus says, you know what this is? This is called hypocrisy. This is called lying. <laughs> and when you evoke God or God's word in it, it's, uh, it's breaking the third commandment. So Jesus says, let your yes be yes, your no be no. Don't make false promises in God's name. Another way that we take God's name in vain, we make false claims and prophecies. Has anyone ever told you, God told me to do this? And God clearly didn't tell him to do it. (laughs) This happened all the time in the Old Testament, especially in the time of the prophets. There would be false prophets, and the false prophets would be paid off by the king to deliver a message that was something like this. The the prophet would say, hey, Israel, you know those Babylonians outside the city? They're not going to come in here and break down the gates to our city and, and kill us all and take our land and turn the rest of us into slaves and carry us off to Babylon. That's not going to happen. God's going to rescue us. And that's what the prophets who were paid by the king to say that would say. But they were false prophets with a false message. And so in Jeremiah 14, 14, God says, Then the Lord said, These prophets are telling lies in my name. I did not send them or tell them to speak. I did not give them any messages. They prophesy of visions and revelations that they have never seen or heard. They speak foolishness made up in their own lying hearts. They were saying things in the name of God that God never said. And the same thing happens today. We might say, the Lord told me to do this. 
where God told us to do this. I have a friend when she was in college, a young, a young man came up to her, a fellow student came up to her, and he said to her, God told me that we're supposed to get married. And she said, well, God didn't tell me, so sorry. And <laughs> that was the end of their marriage right there. It just never got off the ground, you know. If you're going to say that God told you to do something, you better be sure that God told you to do it. You might hear pastors on, t- on TV or I suppose online now who say things like, if you give money to my ministry, then you'll be healed of your disease. That's a false prophet. Those are false promises. God never made those promises. And uh, they're what God's talking about in Jeremiah 14. Now, we do this kind of thing today, not just pastors on TV, but we do do this kind of thing today, and this might sting a little bit, but we all, and I include myself, we all need to be a little more careful about when we say, you know, God told me what to do in this situation. Here's what I mean. Sometimes we might say, you know, God told me to sell my house and buy a new one. Now, let me just say, if God tells you to do something, you should do it. <laughs> if God tells you to do something and it doesn't go against his word, you don't need to ask any questions. Just go do it because <laughs> God told you to do it. But I think a lot of times what we mean when we say God told me to do this, we mean things like, well, it seems wise for me to do it. Or it seems that God is generally leading my life in a way where it's okay to do this. Or, you know, nothing in the Bible says I can't do this, and, it's, and so I'm going to do it. Or my mentors, you know, I have wise friends, and they're telling me this is a good business opportunity. But we're just so quick to invoke God's name in this, right? You know, God told me to marry her. God didn't tell me to marry my wife. God didn't tell me not to marry my wife. <laughs> God's Word tells me things about the kind of person I should marry and the kind of person I should be looking for, and I found a person like that. My wife wasn't so careful, but she married me anyway. And, and so, you know, God didn't tell me to move to Utah. God didn't tell Melanie to move to Utah, but it seemed like, okay, God was kind of generally leading our lives in this way. We just need to be a little more careful about saying, God told me to do this. Because then when it doesn't work out, well, who was wrong? Was God wrong or were you wrong, you know? So let's be a little more careful about that. Don't claim things in God's name that he never promised. And don't make, don't have, uh, don't behave flippantly with God's name. Flippant behavior, that's another way we break the third command. So here I'm thinking of those times when we do drop that OMG, Right? We say, gosh, but not gosh, right? We say, Jiminy Christmas, but not Jiminy Christmas. We actually say it, you know? You stub your toe where you're just mad and you just, you just let it out, right? That's flippant behavior. It's flippantly using the name of God. And here's what it does. Now, we've talked a lot about how, you know, it, how, we are, how God views that use of his name. But think about what it says to other people who hear us use language like that. When you use God's name in vain, when you use God's name to curse, what you're saying, what you're telling people who are listening, you're saying, God, God isn't really who I claim he is. God, does, God doesn't matter to me as much as I say he does. God's not really that big of a deal, because look how I can just use his name however I want. I mean, before I used God's name in vain, before I cursed with God's name, if I realize that when my wife and my children hear me use God's name that way, and when I use, that name, when I use God's name that way, they're going to think, oh, dad doesn't really think God's as big of a deal as he makes him on Sundays. If I knew that's what was happening when I used God's name in vain, I mean, that's horrifying, right? Well, that's much more serious. That's a big deal. 
That's a big sin. That's not a little sin. If I'm trying to tell people about how great Jesus is and how much I love him, and then I just sort of use his name to curse, they're like, oh, yeah, I know, I know what you're like. <laughs> I get it now. All this God stuff is just talk. You don't really think that God's that big, that powerful, that worthy. That's what happens when we use God's name in a flippant way. And not just when we use God's name, but when we, when we act in ways that are contrary to God's will for our lives, what the Bible calls sin. When we act in ways that are, that are not honoring to God, what does it tell people who watch us, especially people who aren't Christians? It tells them that we don't really believe that God is who we say he is, right? We might talk a good game about Jesus. We might wear an Alpine Church t-shirt, you know. We might, like, look good. But then when you do things that are anti-God, you're kind of telling people, like, God's not as great as I tell, tell you that he is. Now, look, we all sin. We all fall short of God's glory. I'm not denying that at all. I'm the chief of all sinners here today. But what I'm saying is we need to be a little more aware of how we act and what we do and what it says about the name and the glory of God. I appreciate so much what Colossians 3.17 says. It says, and whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks through him to God the Father. What a, what a great way to live your life. You are a representative. If you're a Christian, you're a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know the word Christian means little Christ? And Christians did not first call themselves Christians. A bunch of people who didn't believe in Jesus, they were the ones who came up with the word Christian. They're like, what do we do with these people who obey Jesus and live like Jesus? Let's call them little Christs. That's what Christian means. It's a little Christ. And when you go out into the world with the name of Jesus, whether it's on your t-shirt or in your heart, when you go out into the world with the name of Jesus, you are acting as a representative of the Lord Jesus. And whatever you do or whatever you say reflects on God to a watching world. It's serious business, right? It's a big deal. And so in everything, God calls us to honor him. His name is so important. His name is so important because it's connected to his glory, his holiness, his character, and ultimately to our salvation. I want to end here. This week I was reading Acts chapter 4, and in Acts chapter 4, the apostle Peter is preaching. This is after the resurrection, after the ascension. In Acts 4, verse 12, Peter says, there is salvation, talking about Jesus, there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. He's talking about salvation that's available in Jesus Christ. And he's talking about the fact that, you know, as humans, we're all sinners. We all fall short of God's glory. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to, to this world. Jesus lived a sinless life. He died on a cross, was raised from the dead to pay the penalty for our sin. And he says, there is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. And so the salvation that is ours in Christ is so connected to the name of Christ. And if you're here today, if you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, today is the day that you can come to Christ. You can call on his name, say, Jesus, rescue me. Jesus, save me. And he'll save you. But here's the thing. If you're a Christian, when I read Acts 4.12, you say, amen. Hallelujah, that's me. I've been saved by the name of Jesus what are we doing when we use the name of Jesus as a curse word? Like, what are we doing? What we're doing is we're saying, yeah, Jesus saved me, but it's not that big a deal. It doesn't mean that much to me. 
because look how flippantly I use his name. Now, I don't think we all, and I don't think we knowingly do that, but that's what happens. And so let's think about how we represent Christ to our world, our family, our kids, each other, and how we bring glory to him. There is no other name under heaven which by, by which we can be saved. And the good news is, for those of us who have broken the third commandment, and that's, I'm going to say everybody at some point, when you've broken the third commandment, you can always come and repent and turn to God and ask for forgiveness and say, okay, God, I want to live the kind of life that honors you. I want to live a kind of life that, that delights you. And that's possible through Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for giving it to us today, God. May we pray with the psalmist, I delight in the law of the Lord. And on your law, we meditate day and night, God. Would we not run from your law when it says hard things, but would we run to it for instruction and training on how we're to live today? God, may we come to the Ten Commandments not as a series of rules to get us to heaven, but Lord, as a relationship that we can have with you and others as we walk by faith in the Son of God. Jesus, thank you that it is under your name that we may be saved. And it's by your name we pray today. In Jesus' name, amen.